this morning's sermon is entitled, A Vine Out of Egypt. A Vine Out of Egypt. And you can change it to personalize it. Uh, you can say, A Vine Out of Compton. A Vine Out of Inglewood. Inglewood. A Vine Out of L.A., Long Beach, the LBC, Downey, wherever you're from. This message is about a vine out of Egypt, and I'm sure you're wondering what that means. We'll be in Psalm 80 today. Psalm 80. Listen, I want you also to please read Psalm 44 on your own time. As a backdrop, you can read Psalm 44 as well. Shauna, make sure you post that in the comments so they will... No. This, uh, we want to talk today about how action is applied. What does action look like? And I kind of equate um, action to living. That we want to be people of life that is active. We want to be people uh, who are living in action. Are you tracking? So if we're going to be people living in action, then we've got to know how action is applied. What does it look like? Everyone wants to take action. I mean, there are a lot of people who want uh, great things to happen, but action has its own pedigree. Um, it has its own premises and prerequisites. In other words, action is not just random. Action has meaning and significance. So if you're going to be a person of action, if you're going to be a person of particular nuance and impact and influence, then you have to understand action. You have to understand how it is applied. And what I learned in today's lesson is that action must be tied to something. Yeah, this is important. Action doesn't act on its own. It must be an action that's related to something. And action is like, and that's what we're going to tie the sermon into, the action is like a growing vine. That a life of action can be equated or paralleled or find, you can find similarities to a vine. Now, why do I say that? Because Jesus referred to himself as a vine. That the father was the husbandman, you can read it in John 15, that the father is the husbandman, Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches. And so all of these factors, the Father, the Son, and the branches produce fruit, meaning there has to be activity on the vine. Are you tracking? Stay with me for a minute. So a vine, listen to me, a vine, which is different from uh, other plants in the sense that it is a climbing or a trailing woody stemmed plant of the grape family. Watch this now. So this vine is active because it, it grows, it climbs, it, it, it needs support in order for it to climb. So watch this now. When we talk about action, 
I said action needs something. It is connected to something. So when you're living your life of action, you need something to climb up. In other words, you need something to support your climb. Ah, this is good. I remember my mother had this plant that was called Charlie. She called Charlie and it grew. <laughs> Joy is laughing because she remembered that plant. It's by the front door. Uh, it was by the front door and Charlie got old. Charlie, Charlie stopped growing as much, but Charlie would grow all across the front of the door, all the way to the other side. But Charlie wouldn't grow. He wouldn't climb just in the air. It would, it needed support. So this stem, this vine moves. That's what I want you to see, that when we see ourselves as active vines in the world, we move, we have motion, we have action. So a grapevine, watch this now, a grapevine is a climber. You're a climber. So let's talk about this title, a vine out of Egypt. Let's, let's look at this in the, let's look at us as, as vines. Let's look at us as people God uh, is using, and we see ourselves as climbers, all right? That's different from fallers. Uh, watch this. So our lives are set up to do what? To climb. There is a trajectory with which God has created us in our anatomy as we understand it through this similar vine. And watch this now, a vine maintains its growth. Watch this. Uh, mommy would have to clip Charlie every now and then because a vine that climbs requires pruning. Oh, I like that. That's a quotable. Maybe you can type that one, uh, Shana. A vine that climbs requires pruning or clipping or plucking. And this is done in a way to control the quantity of the grapes and the quality of them. Now, if we didn't clip the vine, if mommy didn't clip Charlie, this wasn't even in my notes. Charlie done got the whole introduction and he wasn't even in my notes. Uh, but if mommy didn't clip Charlie, Charlie may grow all the way back to the rooms. It may go all the way up the wall, down to the laundry. We don't want that. We want to control the growth. Are you understanding? So we're talking about a life of action that has some parameters of control within which God is able to control your quality and quantity of the fruit you provide Oh man, this is good teaching. I, this is not even coming out like I practice. But what I'm trying to get you to see is that uh, God is able to control uh, your development. And what you need to see is that as a vine out of Egypt or a vine out of Compton or a vine out of the LBC, you are placed in a position where God is expecting you to climb and he is intentionally pruning and cutting you to make sure that your life yields the type of quantity and quality of fruit that he wants to uh, have in his harvest. So uh, let's look, take a look at the setting of the text. Uh, we'll talk about the setting and the context before I give you uh, the text we read in Psalm 80. Let's take a look at the setting. The setting is this. Um, the setting and the context 
is the backdrop of a vineyard. So we see the grapes on the screen, we see the vineyard, we see the post, you see the support there, you see the, uh, the, the trunk that they're connected to, uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but um, this is a vineyard. So the concept is, the idea is that we are in a vineyard, that our lives can be typified by a vineyard, and where there's a vineyard, there's someone to oversee the vineyard. There is a shepherd. There's fencing usually around the vineyard because you don't want just people coming up and being able to take your your grapes off your vine. Uh, interesting experience. I was back in the backyard grilling, I think, and um, I heard this rattling on my orange tree. I, all of a sudden, I heard rattling on the orange tree, and I'm like, in the middle of the day, uh, my tree is rattling. And I saw a man, somebody had the little fruit picker uh, on the other side of the fence trying to pick my fruit. I ran over there, left the grill, and said, hey, hey, man, leave them oranges alone. Leave them oranges. <laughs> so in spite of the wall that's protecting my fence, my fruit was hanging a bit over the wall. He was trying to grab it. So the setting is a fencing, a shepherd. It's all going to make sense in a minute. That's why I'm giving you this that there also are wild boar, that there are beasts surrounding it. So not only do I have to worry about people picking my fruit, I also have to fight the squirrels, the raccoons, the uh, all the possums and all these other animals that, well, you know, I did. in the text we're going to see, we're talking about wild beasts and boar, not these little bitty animals, but that's my fight, okay? That's my fight. You got to make this story fit you, boo. So <laughs> a vine, listen, the setting is, now watch this, the setting is a vine that's in trouble. Here we are. So this vine is in trouble, but it once was thriving. I want you to see this that the vine once was thriving. And when we get to Psalm 80, verses four through seven, we're not going to read them, but verses four through seven, we'll talk about how um, it's described as you've been feeding us the bread of tears and you give us tears to drink in heavy doses. So the vine is saying we're in a position and we've been crying for a long time. So uh, they're saying that people walk by and laugh at us. They make a mockery of us. So instead of people coming to pick our fruit, people excited and trying to steal it, people looking at us and saying, y'all, I don't want that fruit. I don't want nothing to do with that. So the emphasis of the text is on the vine. Watch this now. The vine is in first progression. Then it goes into regression and then it goes into restoration. So I'll say that again. It goes from progression, it goes to regression, and then it goes to restoration. So let me explain this to you a little bit. Take my time and teach a little bit. This then, listen to me, this then dispels the myth that the plant was born to thrive only. Now watch this. So a vine out of Egypt once was progressive but now is experiencing regression. And many of us think that our lives, and similar to the vine, are lives of action that are only supposed to thrive. God never intended uh, our lives when he came to be lives that would just thrive. In other words, once we got saved, that doesn't mean everything's going to be all right. You got it? Jesus didn't save us 
in order to blow us up overnight. The phases of life, the progress of life has a period of regression and then restoration. So progression, regression, restoration. So this story is giving us the truth that a plant actually is born to die in order to rise again. Ah, you missed it. So instead of seeing your life or seeing yourself frustrated because your life has hit a period of regression, I'm trying to encourage you to let you know that that's a part of the process. And instead of being frustrated about what's not going right, if indeed you are a vine out of Egypt or Compton or L.A., you then have a period of understanding it is the process to die and that you cannot rise until you first die. So what happens between birth and resurrection is the key to understanding living and action with impact. So watch this. The key to understanding how you're going to make impact and to be a person of influence is to know the difference between starting strong and trying to rise again. You've got to understand the period in the middle. And it's the period in the middle that causes us to stop being active. Ooh, this is getting good. Listen, what I'm trying to teach you is that a lot of times when we hit regression, we quit. When we hit the period that we don't understand, we roll it back. We think our time is up. We think God doesn't like us. We think uh, nobody wants to use us anymore. Egypt was in a place of slavery and oppression for 400 years, y'all. They were in oppression and a vine that climbs appears. So I want you to see this. Israel was a people in slavery to the Egyptians for 400 years. The story is that this vine begins to climb out of slavery. Watch this now. So the vine out of Egypt or the vine out of Compton, let's say the vine out of Compton, you were oppressed. Compton is, you know, considered a rough area in some areas. And so all of a sudden you get called by God and you become a vine that what? Climbs out of Compton or wherever you're from. Uh, don't miss it. I'm setting you up to help you see that you are a vine that is destined to climb. But you must understand the process. You think that this would be a story uh, enough to preach us happy, right? Oh, I was in slavery 400 years. God got me out. The story does not stop there. But with our initial progression, there is a scheduled regression until God orders our restoration. Have you ever started your life or you started something and it was going so well? I mean, you were thriving. It was great. How about, remember, you remember when you first got saved and oh, everything was so, oh, it was nice. You, Jesus was helping you. You was shouting every Sunday in church. They were telling you, sit down, girl, and take all that. You ain't, you ain't that happy. And wait a minute. You don't know how, to, girl, I just came out of domestic violence. I just came out of a, a, a drug infested neighborhood. God gave me an apartment in a place where I don't have to worry about being shot every second. You don't know where people are. But when you first got saved, you were all excited. And then life happened. 
something happened, a regression happened. I came to remind you, you're a vine out of something much worse. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Where you are right now may be bad, but it's better than where you were destined to go before you got saved. Because before you got saved, you were on your way to the pit of hell. And I'm telling you, you might be in a tough situation, but you're on the rise. Somebody say, I'm on the upswing. I am a vine on the climb. Come on now. There is more impact. Listen, there is more impact in the latter example than the former. In other words, if you think that you were just born to rise, there's no real glory in that, that God just saves us and all of us are great. No, our story is more impactful when we go up and then we hit a downfall and then we get worked on and then he raises us up again. God's intention for you is to rise. His intention is never to bring you down and leave you there. So I don't care who you are and whatever you're experiencing, God has destined you to be a vine out of Egypt and vines climb. That's why I'm teaching you this because I want you to understand the power of the vine on the line, Joy and I, sometimes when we drive up north, we, we ride uh, or we drive um, down uh, through the grapevine and we can look off to the right and we see all these vines on the side. And we talk about the grapevine. Everybody, so many of you know how about driving through the grapevine. Even Jesus, listen to me. Even Jesus, when he came, he, he didn't come to live. Jesus was born to die. He was born to die. In other words, what I'm trying to say is that your setup, your progression is for the intention to get you high enough to die. In other words, you know, a roller coaster, before you feel the zoom, zoom, uh, the thrill of the ride, you first have to go up. And that up is a big ride. It's a progression. But then there is a regression. You go down in life. And Jesus sets that example. So watch this now. Jesus was thriving in heaven. Jesus was minding his own business. He was in a progression. He was God. He was experiencing the glory of God. But he left heaven heaven. He came down to earth. Would you say that's regression? I would say that's regression. He came down to earth to die, right? He left heaven, came down to earth. Then he went back up to glory. That is our pattern as the vine that we are born to climb so that we can die and be prepared to rise again. So who am I preaching to today? Let me look at you right in your eye. Today I have a word to the person who feels they started out strong, but now it seems like everything that could go wrong is going wrong, and it's been that way for a long time. Just wave your hand if I'm talking to you. I want to preach to the faithful, to the faithful who feel neglected and overlooked, and yet you have remained faithful in your calling, and you've remained faithful in your faith. I want to talk to you. You've been holding on, but you're underloved, and you're overlooked. Today, I want to preach to the one who knows what they are capable of, but you aren't realizing your potential, but you know there's more to you. There's more to you and you haven't tapped it yet. I want to preach to somebody 
who is still believing that God has a plan for your life. Today I'm preaching to the one who is on the verge of giving up. Hear me, beloved. You're on the verge of giving up and this is your last and final plea, it feels like. If God don't do it for me now, I may as well go on and go to heaven. I know that's in your mind. I know it is. In people who get older, they get ready. They say, well, maybe just God is not going to do it. I'm talking to people who at 20 years old, who at 30 years old, who when you were saved, you felt like God had a call on your life. But life happened. You got pregnant. You dropped out of school. You had a divorce. You went to jail. You've used a substance abuse. Something happened. I came to tell you that if God saved you, he called you. In other words, nobody gets saved without a purpose. God saves people to make them vines that climb. God knew who Israel was. God knew that they would do 70 years in Babylonian captivity. God knew they would do 400 years of slavery in Egypt. He had every intention of getting them out. Do you understand what I'm saying? That the nation of Israel to this day is in the plan of God. Ah, God, you're experiencing defeats that you can't explain and you clearly do not understand I came to give you a word. God wants me to speak right to you today. And today's text is found in Psalm 80. Let's see what we can learn from it. And I want you to read again, Psalm 44. Make sure you read it on your own time for further context and insight. But let's take a look at what we can learn from today's lesson. Today, I want to show you this. Number one, number one, you have been divinely planted. The first thing I would say to the person who fits the scenario I gave above all of those things, the people who I'm preaching to, is that you have been divinely planted. So my words to you, beloved, is cheer up. You have been divinely planted. In other words, you have been set for progression. The first phase is progression, then regression, then restoration. Don't let your regression forget, make you forget about your progression. And that's why God started you out going up because he wants you to see that's your real life. Your real life is not in regression. Your real life is in progression. But he had to take us in regression to teach us how to respect, respect progression. Come on, somebody. So being divinely planted means you have been carved out and removed so you, you some things removed so you could grow in a particular place. He carved out something and removed it. Why? So you could inhabit the space there. Listen to what I'm saying. You have been divinely planted. When you got saved, here's what I want you to see. Listen to what I'm saying. Whenever you go to plant something, you need a space to plant it. Listen to me. That's why you have a fruit bed or a plant bed. You have a place. Remember I said the setting is a vineyard with fencing, a place designated for you to grow. God has set 
a place for you to grow. He has already ordered. You are divinely planted. He has given you a place to climb. There is a place for you to climb and to progress. You have been divinely planted, which means he has carved out a space. He has made room in his dirt field to make you a plant that brings forth fruit. So cheer up, my beloved. This is not your last hoorah. There is something better coming. You're just in the period of regression. Let me read the text to you. Let me share it with you. It goes like this. Listen, you are divinely planted. As verse number eight, I'm going to read verses eight through 11, says you brought a vine out of Egypt. There it is. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. Oh, I love that. And it took root and filled the land. Verse 10, the mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its bows to the sea. It shoots as far as the river. Let me explain this to you. Let me look at verses number eight through 11. Look at this first phase. Uh, Verse number eight says, You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. Watch this. You cleared the ground for it. Uh, Come on. Watch this now. Come on now. Watch this now. Jesus says, I've cleared the runway for you to take off. I have. What he's talking about, he says, when you came out of Egypt, what he's saying is, when you came out of Egypt, I went to Canaan, cleared out your enemies, I made a space for you in the promised land so you could thrive. God says, when I called you, I not only called you, but I made a space for you to feel it. So what he's saying is, you're a vine out of Egypt. You're a vine out of Compton. If you want to do better, if you want to be better, if you want to thrive and to progress and climb, God not only says, I'll get you out, but he says, I'll prepare a space for you to go into. So if you weren't about leaving raggedy Tyrone, I'm telling you, God will not only help you leave Tyrone, he will prepare Billy for you to be able to get up with Billy. What I'm telling you, he creates a space. In other words, I tell this story all the time. When Vashti messed up with the king, when Vashti messed up, she made room for Esther. When people don't do what they're supposed to do, God moves people so we can get into it. The job that you're trying to get isn't ready yet because the person has hasn't been moved out yet. But when God pulls you out of something, he prepares a space for you to go into. And I want you to see that there's a place with your name on it. There's ground. Oh, oh, this is good. How about when you buy a plot in a cemetery? The place has your name on it. It has, I know it's kind of gory, but what I'm trying to get you to see is that you don't have to live life worrying about where you're going to lay. And so what I'm saying is don't live your life life anxious and worried about what God has prepared for you. He has a space that has already been earmarked for you to thrive. Are you tracking? So this should minimize your anxiety and your stress. So what he's saying is in verses eight and nine is that he has 
cleared the ground for you. He has cast out the heathen. Everything that would serve as an obstacle to you, he says, I'm going to move it out of the way. So he's cleared the ground. He's made a way for you. He wants you to be planted. He says, why? I've cleared the ground so you can take deep root. I want you to have a root system. The vine needs a root system. It needs a trunk. It needs a main stem support above the ground. In other words, the stem that comes up on the grapevine is the stem that supports the vegetation. It supports the branches. In other words, what's underneath you has to be strong enough to support what grows above you. In other words, the fruit that grows above the ground has to first be nourished and supported by what's under the ground. So God says, instead of you focusing on the fruit of your life and the material of your life, he says, I'm going to put you in a period of regression so that you can have root in your life, root to your life. I reached out to a few sisters of mine, a few uh, uh, classmates of mine yesterday, and I said, consistency, God put them on my heart. And I said, being consistent and stable is a part of you having impact. And these are three people who face people daily. They face people. In other words, so they can bring forth fruit. They have impact and influence. So it dep- your influence depends on how strong your roots are. So if you aren't stable, if you don't have bottom, if you don't have trunk to you, then you cannot have impact on the vine. Your vines will wither. They will be limp. They won't have fruit that... Ah, rem- oh, God, come on. So the Bible says in verses 10 and 11, put the verse on the screen for me, please. It says, the mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its bows to the sea. It shoots as far as the river. So in other words, he says at the end of verse number nine, he says, you cleared the ground for it. It took root and it filled the land. So in other words, this fruit filled the land. The fruit filled up the place, covered with shade, the mighty cedars with its branches, reached out to the sea and as far as the river. So what I'm trying to say is that God plants you and he says you filled, you reached your capacity. In other words, God is never going to plant you somewhere and not have you thrive. Your destiny is to thrive. Your destiny is to climb. Your destiny is to have fruit on the vine. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Israel provided shade. Listen to me. Israel provided shade for the hills. Even the cedar trees were covered by the expanse of its branches. So the vines were so long. They were so fruitful that people, it was enough grapes. It was enough branches to give shade to the hilltops. What I'm trying to say to you is that you're not going to be a person. God didn't design your life to be uh, people who are under trees. He called you to be the trees, the branches over others where people bask in the shade of his glory over your life. I'm telling you, beloved, if you can hold on through your period of regression, if you can do your three days in the grave like Jesus, resurrection time is coming. The Bible said in verse 11, he says, their bows reach to the sea and their shoots as far as the river. So in other words, our reach will be as far as to the sea 
and our nearby rivers. In other words, your life impacts more than just your kids and your spouse and your boo. It reaches your neighbor. It reaches people on your job. He says your branches, your influence will reach people way in Nantucket, in Iowa, in Brazil, all over the world. Your reach is destined for a climb. This was the period of progression. And I want you to see that when they came out of Israel, this is where they were. They were thriving. They were examples. They were covering the hilltop. And I'm saying to you, I'm talking to people who once you got saved, everything seemed to be good. You got married and you were happy for the first five years. And oh, Lord help, what happened? Something happened. Things changed. Or you had a great job. And you remember, I remember having a job and I was saying, oh, this is the best job I've ever had. I love my job. I love my job. But being there for a little while, ooh, things changed. We got a new manager. We got some new things. We got a new policies, it changed. What I'm trying to say is that don't lose your enthusiasm for the progression you had. See yourself as a bountiful vine that brings forth fruit just because management changed, just because co-workers start tripping, just because you got laid off does not mean that you are not a vine that climbs. God, I'm trying to get you to see that your regression doesn't mean that you're counted out. It just means that it's a part of the process. Now, let me take you to point number two. Point number two is you were divinely picked. First one is divinely uh, planted. The second one is you've been divinely picked. Uh, And I want to say, or plucked, divinely picked or plucked. In other words, somebody came and plucked or picked your grapes off the branches. In other words, watch this now. In the divinely picked page, picked page, he removes your protective hedges. Remember, I told you the scene is a grapevine surrounded by fences and nobody can go up there. Have you ever, we talk, me and Joy talk about living behind the gates. I mean, you can't get to my house till you get behind the gates. You can't. So what if God removes the gates? It means you're vulnerable. Ah, God removes the protective hedges. Do you remember the counsel? Do you remember the, 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 the argument between the devil, Job and God? And the devil was saying, well, you got a hedge around Job. I, I can't get to him. No wonder he's prosperous. No wonder he's doing well. You got a hedge of protection around him. God says, I'll remove the hedge. God removed the hedge on Job. And what happened to Job? Job went into a period of regression. It didn't mean Job was not called. Didn't mean God did not love. God dog it, help me hear what I'm saying to you. Doesn't mean that God don't like you no more. Doesn't mean God doesn't still have a plan for you. Doesn't mean God is disinterested and disappointed in you. It just means that God has removed the hedge so you can be divinely picked. In other words, he wants you to be plucked at will. In other words, the fence has been moved. Watch this before. In other words, people weren't able to listen in your time of progression. God put all your distraction at bay. You didn't know it, but you thought you were just rising to the top because you were doing everything right. No, God was holding things back. He was keeping things back that could have destroyed you. And now he says, now that you've seen what you can do, now that you've tasted, oh my God, I'm trying to get you to see, I, oh, I know what it's like to preach in front of thousands. Now I'm preaching in front of 20. I know what it's like. And in other words, I've tasted, I've seen the hunger. I've had the desire and the passion. I know what it's like to be in an arena. I know what it's like to be on TV. I know what it's like to hear the thunderous applause of thousands. 
thousands reaching for you and trying to get your autograph or trying to say, hey, great job. I have not lost that passion and I cannot lose that idea and thought that God has me protected. In other words, now he has removed, he removed the hedges and said, now I'm going to let people pluck your fruit at will. In other words, they can come up to you and they can just pick their fruit when they want to. I'm no longer rationing it. I'm no longer scheduling it. I'm letting them come and pick fruit how they want to. Ooh, have you ever lived? Wait a minute, let me tell you over here. Have you ever lived life to where your life feels like every time you wake up, somebody's asking for something else? And you got to remember this, beloved. People ain't asking for something if you ain't got nothing to give. So see the power of you having something to give that people come to you because you have something to offer, but you're in regression and you're going to be used up. I'm speaking prophetically to some people that you will be used up ahead of schedule. You picked when you're not right. People come and take fruit. I picked an orange the other day just to see where it was. It's sour. It's picked before it's time. In other words, you've been divinely picked. In other words, God removed the fence on purpose so somebody can come and pick you out of season. In other words, you're going to be burned up. You're going to be cut down. His actions are against us and they are upon others for others. But many of us are still here. We're still here though, even though we're being rejected even though we're being plucked, even though we're being picked before time. Oh my God, how about this? You're doing so well, things are going good. Or, or oh, how about this? You thought you would be at a certain status by the age of 40. You thought you'd be at a certain status at the age of 50. It didn't pan out that way. That means you've been divinely picked. In other words, God allowed you to lose your house. God allowed you to lose the marriage. God allowed you to lose the job. He let you get picked before your time. And all of your plans and your dreams have have been set on the side burner, but that's why I came to remind you that you're a vine out of Egypt. You're a vine out of Compton and vines were meant to climb. They are climbers and they need support. And God is putting you in a period of regression so that you can understand where your support is. But God, how long does it take to die? That's the question many of us be asking. How long, God? How long do I got to be without my fruit? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at the text here and help you understand it a little further. The text says, I'm going to look at verses 12 through 13. He says, why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Why'd you remove the walls? Why'd you remove the fences, Lord? Verse 13, boars from the forest ravage it and creatures of the field feed on it. In other words, God removed the branch. He removed the fencing. And he says, people come up random and they just pluck what they want. The text says he's broken down the wall so that those who pass by can pick its grape. So the phase two of your life is that the broken hedges allow people to come by and pluck your fruit. Uh, you just try. You're, you're just trying to live and to hang on. You're trying to do what God wants you to do, but people keep plucking your fruit. They wear you out. Haven't you heard this? burnout. People use you until you're burnt out. Watch, I'm going to show you in the text why that matters. In other words, the wild beast surrounding can attack at will. Your ex 
attacks. Your family attacks. People down the street attack. Your uh, enemy, your stranger attacks. In other words, you're fair game. Oh God, am I preaching to anybody who understands your life is fair game? Where God has opened up the gates and allowed the enemy to attack. He says the boars and the beasts can ravage you. But don't let that let you forget that you're a vine out of Egypt. Come on. That you're a vine who is destined to climb. That you have a journey that God has cleared a path for you so you can be planted in order to grow. Let me show you this next verse. Let me look at this one. It says, verse 16, he says, your vine is cut down. You are done. It is burned with fire. There it is. You burnt out. You so Christian, you cooked 18 chicken dinners to build the fellowship hall on the church. You burnt out. It is burned with fire at your rebuke. Your people perish. Oh God. Oh, people are rebuking you. you. You have a horrible scenario. Nobody likes you anymore. Nobody's calling you. Nobody wants your gift. Nobody wants to use you. Your vine has been cut down. You have been cut down. You have been removed from the order. You have been taken out of rotation. You are no longer on the playlist. Am I preaching to anybody? You've been burned. Oh, how about you? Not only have you burned, a church burned you out, but you've been burned. In other words, somebody took your vulnerability and used it against you. They burned you. You haven't been burned before? Somebody burned you. You told them the truth. Ah, and they told the people you told them not to tell. You got burned. In other words, you've been torched. You've been lit up for refuse. Do you know what they do with trash? They burn the trash so that it doesn't take up space. Ooh, ooh, the devil's trying to remove your space, but you can't forget God made space for you. In other words, you've got to be something that can be tangible. You've got to be a person of action because there's space for you. The devil wants to burn you up and make you evaporate. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but God comes that you might have life and that more abundantly. In other words, that you might grow on the vine and bring forth fruit. He says, the devil's trying to take away your space. God says, I've given you space. What I need for you to do is not forget that you've got a space prepared for you. Ooh, in John 14, even Jesus tells the disciples, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. In other words, don't trip down here. You got a space. You got a spot. Have you ever been at line to get a taco from Tito's, Tito's Tacos in Culver City, and you tell somebody, hold your space in line? Have you ever been to Magic Mountain? You about to ride the Colossus, and you tell somebody, hold your space in line. In other words, you ain't got to rush. Why? Because somebody's holding your space. Somebody say, God, hold my space. God is holding your space. And rather you're burned or cut down, God says to be cut down, it means you're torn. You've been thrown away. You've been considered garbage. You've been considered rubbish. I don't care what they say. You washed up. 
You don't matter. You don't mean nothing. You come back with the rhetoric. You say, but God got a space for me. You ain't got no space for me. You don't see a future for me, but I'm a vine out of Egypt. I'm a vine out of Compton. I'm a vine out of the LBC. I'm a vine out of LA. Hold up. Wait a minute. I'm a vine off of, from off a of gauge. Uh, and 60, wait a minute, not mine. This is where Israel is now and how they're feeling. What can be their hope? What can be our our hope when we experience regression. Here's my last point. I got to wrap it up. The third point is that not only you've been divinely planted and divinely plucked, but now you've been divinely planed. You've been divinely planed, folks. Um, that means this is your period of restoration. In other words, to be planed, you've been planed out. You've been planed. You've been made plain. It means you've been made simple enough to be seen differently free from obstructions. In other words, some things are so cluttered. Some things are so uh, design written and filled with all kinds of stuff. No one can exact the meaning of it. And sometimes the best way to get understanding is to simplify, to clarify. In other words, you know how they say, some of them, when the preacher, preacher say, make it plain, preacher, make it plain. What are we doing? We're planning. We're divinely planning you. We're divinely making plain the word of God. Why? So you can understand it. God says, I, my regression for you is to make you plain. In other words, you're too complicated. You're too conceited. You're too selfish. You're too stuck in your ways. You need to be planed. And God says the regression, when I let people pluck from you, when I let people take from you at their will, it'll teach you to plane it out. You, you get, you get a sense. Look, arrogance ain't that important. You just be happy to be alive. After the people, after the masses get done with you, there's a different level of respect you have for your own life. You plain and simple. It don't matter much. You be like, you be like, well, what you want? It don't even matter. It's, well, where you want to go this year? Anywhere is fine because you've learned now that it's the value of the gift inside of you versus the value of the things you were aspiring toward. Am I preaching to anybody? So we've been made obvious again. That's what I'm trying to say. When God plains you, he makes you obvious again. Ooh, remember I told you in the regression, nobody can see you. Why? Because after they've plucked everything for you, they leave you for dead. Oh, watch this. Let first lady and pastor, oh, we love you. We love you. But let them get broke. Let the church close. Let, 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 let us, one of us have a die, die and, and, and we can't do what we do anymore. The saints going to drift off. They're going to be at another church praising somebody else. Oh, hi, first lady, new first lady. Because people don't have the sense of sticking with people through their tough time. I remember, uh, now, I ain't going to say it. I don't want to talk about it. But I'm telling you, there are time, there are people who will leave you when you go down and what they'll say is God don't God ain't with you no more Ichabod the Lord has left you the Lord ain't never left you the Lord ain't never left me you hear me I don't care what you're in the Lord has never left you and he never will his name is Emmanuel and it means God is with us all the time everywhere you go I don't care if you in the coke house if you prostituting on the street he loves you in spite of where you are and his job and his goal is to get you back on the climb so anybody who walks up to you and tell you God 
God has left you and you don't have what you have no more. The devil is a lie. I've got everything he gave me from the beginning. I'm just in regression and I'm waiting for my restoration. Sorry, I, I, I done went off track. Hold on a minute. I said I was going to be nice. Didn't I, Joy? And I done lost it again. I went off again. Doggone it. Help me, Jesus. So we've been made obvious again. And the smoke from our lives, um, the, <laughs> in other words, the smoke from our regression isn't burning anymore. You can't see people where the smoke is. And so God starts removing the smoke from your life. Ah, oh, God, you become plain. And so the smoke from the burning is clearing. When we were in the fires, in the uh, Santa Ana fires, uh, the winds, the smoke was so uh, bad, you couldn't see it. And, and when, when uh, Wayne and I went to rescue somebody, we were on a paper route and we busted into an apartment because it was on fire and we couldn't see the guy in the bed. He was asleep and the place was on fire and we couldn't see, but we broke through. We got him out of bed, brought him out of the apartment, but we had to clear the smoke. God says, I'm going to clear the smoke in your life. And this phase is when he shines on us again. And vines need sun to grow, y'all. We don't just need water. We need sun. And our restored energy and growth will come from the shine of God's look upon our, our lives. He looks at us differently and we get that energy we need to act again. Oh my God. If you're ever, if you're a parent, ooh, ooh, you know what it means when, or, or if you're a child, you know what it means when you look at your parent and your parent is looking at you, you play that soccer, you play that soccer, your parent just smiling with that shine on their face. It makes you, it energizes you. And in your regression, God's back feels like it's toward you. He's not even watching you play anymore. He's not even calling the shots. He's not even helping you anymore. It seems like in regression, he's forgotten about you. But restoration means he turns around again and he starts looking at you play and he smiles miles again. Let me tell you something about a parent. When my son calls me, if my son just calls me and he calls sometimes and he don't leave a message. I tell him every time, leave a message, boy. He don't leave a message. But sometimes I know he calls from different numbers, but I know it's him. And sometimes he's calling and let me know I'm all right, dad. When I look at the number, my face lights up. Do you hear what I'm saying? From a phone call, my face lights up. I talked to my daughter yesterday. Daddy, I got to tell you about my day. Would you, my daughter, come tell me. I'll tell you about your day. What is happening? Jesus, my face lit up. She says, Dad, I came. I called to tell you that I saw our famous group. We've got this song we like. We sang together when she was a kid. We always sang it from New Edition. And she said, I saw New Edition. My face lit up. What I'm trying to get you to see, I'm giving you my human example. But I'm trying to get you to see that when God turns around, uh, if you can make it through regression, God turns around and when you pray, when you call him and you say, our father, his face lights up. He hears your cry. He sees you trying. He sees you at worship on Sunday. He sees you lift your hand. His face lights up and he shines and radiates and says, I'm with you. I got you. Go ahead. Do it, boy. Do it, girl. You better do 
do that thing. You better whip that hair. You better do that business. You better act that role. You better that, do that project. You better speak that mission. You better do it. I'm with you. All of heaven. Do you remember in Hebrews 12? He says, therefore, being surrounded by such a greater cloud of witness, let us run this race with patience. The idea that the aquarium, that the theater is there with witnesses who are cheering you on saying, get it, PC. Get it this morning. God is sitting up above all of them and saying, yes, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. When Jesus was baptized, the dove came down the spirit. When you become a person of action, God turns around and says, I'm watching you and I'm rooting you on. I am cheering you on. God is in the business of cheering you on. So this final text that I'm going to give you is about how God smiles and his radiation from his smile empowers us. It's like a solar panel. We're a solar panel. And when God smiles on us, we get energy. Haven't you heard that old song? God has smiled on me. He has set me free. There's that song. And we pray for his shine. Why? So we can return to the land. So we can get back to our period of progression and be who he has called us to be. We need God's shine so we can be who God has called us to be. Turn to us. Listen, turn to us and we will be saved. The text will teach us. Just look at us and we'll be good. I can't tell you how my son used to look at me for approval and you could tell when he would turn to look at me for approval. Am I playing well enough? Am I doing this well enough. Oh my God. I said I wasn't going to talk about that. But when your child looks at you looking for that backing, looking for that. Ah God. We sing that old song turn your eyes upon Jesus. But there should be a song where we say Jesus turn your eyes upon us. Uh, We want, we always looking at you. But Lord would you just look at us. Turn your eyes on us and we will be saved. If I know you're approving of my life of action, I'm going be saved. I'll be all right. And I came to tell somebody in your regression, you're going to be all right. My friend, the late Michael Teague used to always tell me, oh boy, you're going to be all right. That was his thing. And that would get me going. Let me give you these last verses. I know I'm out of time, but this verse says in verse three, we've been divinely plain. He says, restore us. Israel says, restore us. Oh God. Somebody say, restore me, God, make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. In other words, restore us, meaning refresh us, restore us, bring us back, refresh us, God. Somebody say, refresh me, bring me back, recompense, Let bring it back with recompense. In other words, let me get interest on top of the time that I lost. God, I feel him. In other words, put it back. <laughs> oh, Joy was asking me yesterday, she said, have you seen the olive oil? In other words, it wasn't in the place that it was supposed to be. Oh, Put it back, God. (laughs) When people have been looking for my ministry, people have been looking for me. They haven't been able to find me because I've been a vine who has been broken down and burned and cut down. But put me back. Somebody say, put me back. (laughs) Come on, God, put me back. Cause me to return. Allow me to return. Turn back the hands of time to make a requital. Restore me, God. Look at this next verse. The next verse says in verse 14, here it is. 
is again, return to us. The first one is restore us. But then the second one is return to us. Israel is saying, you return to us. Restore us, God, but you return to us, oh God Almighty. Here it is. Look at the text. Look at how intimate it is. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine. Look at us. Oh God. Oh God, look at us. Watch over this vine. Look at us again. The root your right hand has planted. You planted me. You made me. You prepared this. The son you have raised up for yourself. He says, you have done this. Look at me. And so this verse tells us how we can be prepared. We want God to look at us. Look down from heaven on us. Watch over this vine. You've planted this vineyard. We are your seed. And your son will come from it. In other words, we're the seed you put in the ground. Restore it. And return to us. In other words, don't just give me. Don't just give it to me. I need you to return. I need you to look at me again. Uh, God, if you will hear me. God, help me. I don't want just the job. I don't want the marriage only. I need the marriage and the job. I need the income. I need the ministry. But I also need for you to return your look at me. I need for you to return to watch over me. Return to us and revisit this vine of yours in your vineyard. It is your vineyard. When Joy and I went to Napa for one of our honeymoons, not honeymoons, anniversary uh, getaways where I tried to give her a moment, a splatter of romanticism and affection and love in a different arena and a different backdrop. I took her down to Napa's not far. We don't have the money. We can't go to Paris. But we went to Napa. <laughs> we take Napa instead. But all through Napa are these grapevines. And on these vines, they're tended vines. People are looking after them. Shepherds are watching over them. And they've got different walls where they say, this is is uh, of the Johnson family vine and this is the so-and-so vine and this is the, the this family's vines and they all have their own area and I came to tell you that God has you in his area and he is your shepherd looking over you he's planted you for a purpose and he dare not leave you out there without bringing forth fruit and so what we're saying God return to the vineyard return to this dilapidated area And I read about the vines and sometimes vines can go bad because of too much watering. Vines can go bad because of too much sun. And sometimes the vine can go bad because it's too cold. The snow can create infection in the roots and they won't spring forth. That's why some some, uh, fruit comes up and it tastes funny because it's been infected. Uh, What we're saying is, God, no, I've been infected. Uh, by some old relationships I've been infected by some bad habits but return to the vineyard oh return to the vineyard God 
and till this land that you have planted, God. I know I'm almost out of time, but look at this verse. Look at this verse 17. He says, let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. In other words, let this, let this hand, let your hand rest on the man. Look at verse 18. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on your name. We all in. Verse 19, restore us, O Lord God Almighty. And here it is. Here it is, folks. Make your face shine upon us that we might be saved. I'm bringing this in, you guys. Israel was a vine that flourished. Israel was a vine that prospered. And then it was destroyed. The Babylonians, the Assyrians came in. They took over Israel. The Babylonians came in and took over Judah. I mean, they were a vine that was thriving, but trouble happened. And there we now find them praying. Turn us again to our days of flourishing. This is the context of the message. And I believe the Holy Spirit has helped me do a good job to exegete the text to help you understand what the real meaning is. That we once were doing well. And we've got to get back to that place of progression. And our prayer should be restore, return, and shine. Restore, return, and and shine. And they said in verse 18, if you do this, we won't turn away from you like before. Why? Because we will have learned our lesson. We've learned our lesson. We will call on your name and not ours. We thought we were such a much. We were living high on the hog. We thought we were doing it, but we've learned our lesson. Restore us and use us again. But what all of these verses have in common, they all ask God to make his face shine upon them again so that they will be saved. The text said, shine forth. Let your face shine again, God. What does that face shining upon me again mean? It means cause your face to shine on us again. The commentary said, divine favor is expressed by the image of one's face shining on another, like a beaming countenance of approval. You've got favor when God looks at you and smiles. You have favor when God looks at you and chuckles. (laughs) Oh, go on, boy. I remember my daddy would sit in his chair while he was listening to Midnight Train of Georgia, and he'd get a look over at me, and I just know he was watching me. I was in the room minding my own business, but he was watching me. And that's all I needed to know, that he was watching me. Daddy watching me. When we would go to the park, I knew every now and then daddy would be laying down looking like he's asleep, but he opened up his eyes. He said, there he is. I know daddy's watching me. The thrill of all of us is that we need daddy to watch over us. It means your plucking has made us divinely plain again. It means you can be seen again. It means that when daddy looks at you, he will see you again. In other words, he is saying to you, I had to turn my back for a minute because what I was seeing wasn't good. But God's aspiration is never to turn his back and leave you. His goal is to bring you into his sight. When 
whenever I got three kids, whenever my three kids, we was running somewhere, they running around. I got to keep tight. I got to know where all of them are at all times. I'm telling you, you can be in Compton. You can be in Lump. You can be in Las Vegas, Tony. You can be wherever you are in Paris. You can be in Italy and God's got eyes on all his children. He knows where you are. He's looking at you and he's smiling. He know, I used to know where Cherry, I know where Nish was. I know where we was. I know where all of this, my job as a father to know it. It's God's job to shine his light, his eyes upon you. We have been simplified. Somebody say, I've been simplified. Simplify me, Lord. We have been simplified for you to see us in a different way. Cause your face to shine on us again, like on us, like look on us differently like you did before. You look at us now and you frown, but look at us again and smile. We need the shine of God on our lives. So here, my beloved, is my final thought. This is the ending on the vine. (laughs) What will your ending look like, my beloved? This is the period of restoration, the period of the return, the period of the shine. That is my new prayer every day. Lord, I've been praying it for two or three days now. Restore, return, and shine. Listen, here it is to you. The goal of every vine out of Egypt, out of Downey, (laughs) out of Cerritos, (laughs) wherever you're from, your goal should be to have God smiling on you all day long. That beats any Ferrari. That beats any Bentley. That beats any house on a hill or bank account amount. To know that God is looking on my life today and smiling. To know that God has worked a masterpiece in you is astonishing to think of. That he has carved out a place for you to grow. You're a vine that climbs. You're a vine that he has destined to bring forth fruit. And after studying this text, now I read St. John 15 about how he plucked the vine, how the vine is cast into the fire and no more good. Now I understand the context of John 15. That's just a side note. But now I understand that we are branches on the vine of Christ. The father is the husband man watching over the entire vineyard. And to know that you are a masterpiece in the hands of God and that he is no longer calling you a slave, but now he calls you a friend, meaning that he shares his secrets with you again, you ought to have joy. Uh Oh, the joy of the Lord will be your strength again and you will start living your life, living your best life, living your life like it's golden, shining like a diamond. I'm channeling uh, Rihanna And Jill Scott, I'm channeling all of them telling you, all the sisters is telling you, even Mary J. Blige telling you no more drama. And she got a new single out saying, good morning, gorgeous. You ought to get a good morning, gorgeous. Hey, handsome, mm, kiss yourself. You got to kiss yourself. Mm, I kiss my own self. You hear me? There is something beautiful about you. And why wouldn't you shine?
grind. Heck, you've been through pruning. You've been through plucking. You paid your dues. You better, I wish somebody would tell me I can't drive a Lexus or live in this house after the hell I've gone through to go down in regression and to remain faithful. This is my reward. God said for anybody who gives up everything to follow him, I will give it back to him hundredfold in this life, but it will come with persecution. So it don't mean everything is all great in your life. It just means I'm standing on the rock. I know what it's like to get through it. Oh, here come another tabloid. Here come another lawsuit. We got through the last one. We'll stand through the other one. And I'm telling you, be proud of who you are. God put you on progression for a purpose. You've gone through the plucking and you've gone through the season. Why? So you can be made plain. Hello, cutie. I see you out there. You've been simplified. Now I see your real beauty. I love Joy. I like to see her imperfections. I like to see her full face. No makeup. I like to look at her eyes. I like to look at all of her because that's the real beauty. Now when she gets gussied up, that just, woo, I'd be like, girl, stop it now. Stop it. Stop it. But I'm telling you, you are the real MVP. You are the real most valuable vine (laughs) in the pasture. (laughs) That's who you are. You're the real MVP. God sees you and he's made you plain. So not only he can see you, but so that the world can see you. And do you know what, Shanika? He's also made you plain so you can see yourself. He wants you to see the real you. Look in the mirror and tell yourself you are beautiful and you are made with a purpose. You haven't been able to see yourself because you've been too busy judging yourself, feeling guilty about what you haven't done and what you didn't, uh, what a milestone you didn't make a goal. You failed to meet the relationship you messed up. See yourself again. Look in the mirror and smile so you can love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So God, make us visible to you in a way that pleases you insurmountably. And God, once you look at us like that, we'll never go back to that old lifestyle again. Smile, settle us because it's only you We're out to please. And I'll tell you this. After Joseph was in the pit and after Joseph went to jail for two years, when he became second command of Egypt, the Bible never talks about Joseph being poor again. You hear me? I'm telling you, there is a period where you come out of your regression and you never go back. I'm telling you, Jesus ain't never been back to the cross, has he? Jesus ain't never been killed again. Once you come out of your regression, You will rise and you will stay where you are. There's not a devil in hell who can take you out of the place that God cut out for you. You're a vine out of Egypt. I am a vine out of Egypt. And I'm PC. And that's all I've got.